I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey guys, we're here with the Hollywood Life podcast and welcome to you all. It is 2020. Allie and I are so happy to be back. That's Allie Stagnita, my co-anchor. And we're also here with our silent producer, Nick. And today we are welcoming a very special guest from Real Housewives of New Jersey. We have Jackie Goldschneider. Hi, Welcome. everyone. Thanks for having me. Thank well, thank you. you. Thank you for crossing the bridge or going <laughs> through the tunnel right. to get here. And um, we have so much to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. And we understand that you came in to see us today and that you have to then go home, go back to your four kids and come back tonight to be with Andy on Watch What Happens Live. So you've got a big day. I'm so excited. Yeah. Well, Andy's we, the best. Yeah. He's, like, he's the best. Father of Bravo. And who knew that he was like so jacked? Like he's... <laughs> hey, you saw those pictures of yeah, him on Yeah, we Instagram? ran them. We he's posted like, them. Yeah. Damn, daddy. He yeah. is. He's jacked. He's he jacked. is. He's looking good. Who, like, how does he have time to I do mean, that? You gotta be jacked when you're sitting on a couch with, like, gorgeous women every well, week. You gotta, like, look the part. You've got a Andy. lot of pressure. <laughs> that's right. That's true. He's gotta live up to beautiful ladies like yourself. Aww. Sitting on his couch, yeah. So, we are gonna dive right in because there's been so much that's going on with you and with the Real Housewives of New Jersey. And I think it's really interesting and also like really helpful that you've been so open about your eating disorder mm-hmm. and have been talking about that and revealing a lot of what you went through and how you got over it. So do you mind telling us and all of our listeners how you fell into having an eating disorder? Was it anorexia? Um, yes, I had full-blown anorexia. And I think that it was something that just happened gradually. Um, As I started losing more weight, I became a lot more scared of putting anything back on. And how old were you when it first started? um, Well, I always had a a bad relationship with food. Mm -hmm. It was always good food or bad food. And I was fat or like not fat, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I never had a healthy like ideas around food. But when I really stopped eating was in my late 20s. And well, my mid to late 20s. And then by the time I got married at um, just before I turned 30, I was basically a skeleton. I wasn't eating anything. And um, it really just spirals for you. Your self-worth becomes tied to what you weigh. And so um, gaining anything back becomes like devastating. Mm-hmm. And when you when you first started to fall into this you said, like you just said, you never really had a healthy relationship with food. I guess you couldn't just enjoy it without thinking about it. Was it that um, like certain, you became obsessed with not eating certain foods? Was it that you were getting on the scale every single day? Like how did it spiral? Um, it was 
it was that I would go on fad diets. By the time I realized I needed to lose weight, I was significantly overweight. I was obese in high school. And then um, I would start fad diets. So it wasn't a lifestyle. It was like back then Weight Watchers had a really unhealthy thing where you would eat like 800 calories a day. So I started just counting everything. So I was counting every single thing I would eat, even if it was like a packet of artificial sweetener. Um, gum. I was weighing tomatoes before I'd put them in a salad. I had to know everything. So it became a very all or nothing thing. It was like I would eat everything or I would just totally fall off the wagon. And like I, I was just terrible. It was all or nothing. Um, and then when I realized the only way that I would continue to lose weight was to continue to cut what I was eating and never have a bad day, that's when it started to really go downhill. And did Th- you realize how skinny you were getting? Yeah, but there was a a little bit of body dysmorphia in there. There was a little bit of denial. Um, You never think that you're thin enough. You always feel like, oh, my God, are my jeans tighter today? You know, there's a lot of fear. So you never really fully realize what's going on. Is it? Does it run in your family at all? Has anybody else in your family um, struggled with their relationship with food? Um, I think that like most women, my mother went through some struggles with food, but never to the degree I did. But I do think my father struggled with dieting. He was always up and down Mm -hmm. when I was growing up. And I think a lot of my, my tendency to like count what I'm eating came from him. Yeah. And at this same time, your mid to late 20s, were you also practicing law? So you had a career and you had, at what point had you met your future husband? Yeah, I was practicing law and I would go to client lunches, I remember. And I was so scared of eating. And I, I remember thinking in my head at one of the lunches, wow, I'm here with like powerful people and I'm a powerful woman in the room and yet I don't know how to eat a bowl of soup. Mm-hmm. And and it really like, it was very hard. It was hard to hide. What kind of yeah. law were you practicing? Well, I started off practicing corporate law. I did mergers and acquisitions at a very big law firm and then I hated that and I <laughs> did. And so I switched to divorce law and I did big Park Avenue wealthy divorces oh, for a little while. That's fascinating. Oh, God. <laughs> it was fascinating. I mean, it was like 80-year-old men on their fourth marriages. But I actually felt really bad because the women – you like had to learn how to be independent again. And that's very hard after a man supporting you for, you know, a decade and then leaves you for his fifth wife. Um, (laughs) And then I did real estate law for the last like few years of my career. And then I stopped when I got pregnant with my first two twins, your first set of twins. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking that, you know, having to manage that kind of a career, which Mm -hmm. is a lot of pressure. It was a lot. As well as an eating disorder, Mm. it all must have just felt like you were going to explode. I mean, an eating disorder takes up so much of your headspace. It was all I thought about was, I mean, even at my wedding, I put some pictures online of me at my wedding because you see some really graphic images of bones on my body. I don't know if you saw that in my Instagram Mm -hmm. story last week, but um, a lot of people asked if I could just address this for for a second, like why my husband you know, would stand by and let that happen. And it's very, it's not as simple as that. When you are so caught up in something, um, like I was, anyone who tried to broach the subject with me, um, I would shut them down Mm -hmm. immediately. And I'm a really stubborn and strong person. So 
people wouldn't be able to get two words out. It was like, I'm fine, don't even go there. And you know, I mean, in his defense, he was a young guy who never experienced anything like this before. And he's in love with me and like, doesn't really wanna like start major fights with me right at the beginning of our relationship. Right. So he, he didn't really push too hard. He would say things like, are you sure you don't wanna split this appetizer? Are you sure you don't wanna do this? Right. But like, he, you know, he, I wouldn't let him push too hard. It's and, a disease and yeah. it's, it's, it's as much of a disease as alcoholism or being an addict and it's it about like an addiction. It, yeah. It's a disease. And so how, how old were you when you met him or at what point did you meet him and the relationship take off? Yeah. I met him when I was 27 and my eating, my anorexia really got started to get out of control when I was 26. So when the first several years, I mean, really for a long time until I was about 36 years old, so it was a full decade, I didn't share a single piece of food with him. I didn't eat anything except for um, steamed foods um, or foods that I knew that calorie content of. So we didn't share anything for a full yeah. decade. Well, and yeah. it's also something that you don't really ever, you're not cured from. You're kind of always in recovery. A hundred percent. always fall back into it a little and yeah. go back a little here and Which there. Which is why it's relevant this season is because yeah. I did, I do consider myself mostly recovered, but there were a lot of things when I watched the episodes now that I didn't know the camera caught and little habits that I still try to hide and little things that I still have um, that are, you know, considered disordered eating. And I didn't realize that the cameras caught them and I'm fully called out on them. And I think in two episodes from now, you see something that um, I didn't know that they caught on camera and I didn't know that other people were commenting on. And at first I was a little embarrassed. And then I said, you know what? I'm sure there's other women who are dealing with this. So it, can you tell us what it was that was caught on camera? Am I allowed to tell them? So I have an issue with, you know, I learned, I had to relearn how to eat. Mm -hmm. And I, I relearned how to order at restaurants and eat things without counting and, and the fear of not knowing how my food was prepared or how much oil was used. And that took a very long time for me. But I never really learned how to eat breakfast. It's going to sound ridiculous. But I... I never. I learned how to bottom load my day, how to be good all day, so that I can be, you know, quote unquote, bad at night. I never learned how to start the day with a big meal. So for breakfast, I eat really lightly. So when other people sit down to eat bacon and eggs, I don't do that. And I thought that I was discreetly, you know, eating ridiculous foods for breakfast while other people were eating. And I thought that no one was noticing, but they do pick up on it and they do comment on it. So and what do you eat for that. breakfast? I think that the morning in question, you see me grab a bag of everyone else is eating bacon and eggs and avocado toast. <laughs> and I grab a bag of baked chips for breakfast. And I didn't think anyone noticed. And I, frankly, I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed, but that's still part of my disorder, which yeah. is why it's still relevant. It's it's So I am recovered. But I'm not fully recovered. Um, yeah. Did your so t a typical breakfast for you is no still typical at home is yogurt. Mm -hmm. But I have a fear of getting invited out for breakfast. 
Well, it's like the control. It's yeah. letting go it's of the, the control. control. That's exactly it what is. it is. I'm scared of breakfast. And it's so ridiculous because I wasn't scared of having two sets of twins. I wasn't scared <laughs> of working in a big law firm. But I'm scared of breakfast. I am. I need to learn that still, which is why I still keep up with my nutritionist. I still check in every, you know, two months I have a session is because I, I want to make sure I don't go back to those habits. Yeah. I was going to ask what prompted you. I mean, when were, did you like hit your limit? Did you, were you the one that sent yourself to get help or did you have an intervention? Um, it was a really long process because I went to Mexico a few months after I got married and I was so scared of an all-inclusive that wouldn't change my mm. order at the restaurants that I brought with me a suitcase full of canned tuna. And I know it sounds ridiculous, what? but it's no. I, why am I carrying this like, bag? What did I marry? <laughs> no, I mean, but I was that afraid. So I would go to these restaurants. They didn't want to change my order. I would basically eat nothing, and then I would come back up to the room and I would eat canned tuna. And it's disgusting and it's awful, but it was all I knew how to do. It was all I could take. To take a can opener with you? I, I mean, they were like the the kind oh, of right. the individuals. Yes. And yeah. So. Um, I mean, it was really hard. So I came back from that trip and I got on the scale and I remember I was so thin. It was the first moment I said to myself, okay, I have to do something or I'm going to die. Now I know I'm going to die. So low did your weight go? Well, it's it's a difficult question to answer because I was, I'm tall. You're tall. I have a lot of muscle because I work out. I have always been a person who worked out. So, so even through all my this, you're body fat, out. my body fat was eight percent. Oh my god! And I haven't had my, I haven't menstruated since I'm in my early twenties. So, I mean, I destroyed my fertility, which is why I have two sets of twins. I mean, thank God because I yeah. worship my twins, but um, I really destroyed my body, and. Um, I was very, very, very skinny. So at that point, I knew that I needed to stop. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When I went to have children and obviously could not get pregnant and I had to do IVF, my doctor said to me, put on a few pounds before we even start trying. And that to me was like a death sentence. So I remember I put on five pounds and it was the hardest five pounds I've ever had to put on. And I did it and I still didn't get pregnant. And I said, I can't, I can't put on any more weight. Let's just do IVF because I couldn't, I couldn't take it psychologically. I was going to have a breakdown. So we did many, I had for my four children, I had five rounds of IVF and um, I still wasn't over it. And then my habits started impacting my children. I was weighing so their food. So you did get pregnant doing I IVF. I did get pregnant with IVF, yes. And when you were pregnant, how did you eat? Because you had to support the pregnancies. I went, as soon as I found out that I was pregnant with twins, I went to a nutritionist, not the same nutritionist who helped me get over the disorder. I went to a special pregnancy nutritionist. I said, what is the least amount that I can eat? Wow. And still, and still have these babies be fully healthy, and 
she she told me what I should be eating so that me and the babies were fully healthy. And I ate that way all through the pregnancy and through breastfeeding, and I gained a lot of weight. And then I made sure that I took it all off like as soon as possible. So when I realized that I really needed to stop um, was when it really started impacting my children. I was weighing everything they were eating on a food scale. I was getting very regimented with them, not because I wanted them to eat less, but because I wanted to make sure they were eating enough. I was so scared around food with them. They never saw mommy eating. And they were mm-hmm. they were babies, but they never saw me eating. They never saw me share with daddy. And then I, I spoke to someone who was like, you really need to see this therapist. She's a nutritionist and a therapist, and she works with people who have exactly what you have. And the first time I sat down with her, begrudgingly, I did not want to go. But the first time I sat down but with her. But you went, because you found her. I went just to see, because inside I really wanted someone to help me. I was, I was tortured. And I went just to see her, and I knew that she would help me. And it was baby steps over, over a long period of time. But within a year, I was eating meals. I was eating meals. I had put on a little weight, just a little. But um, I was eating meals, and it was life-changing. And I've gotten a lot better since then, but the, bre- the breakfast thing is still yeah, it's still really bad for There's me. There's always going to be definitely one thing. Oh, yeah. That's, and that's, I mean, the scale is a trigger for me. I try not to yeah. weigh myself, but... you got to throw your scale out. Well, <sighs> and the average body weight, I will say, for women is like 25 to 28%. Yeah. So. No, I'm still pretty thin, but, yeah. you know... Well, you, you look great. Yeah. you got to yeah. throw that scale not. out. Yeah. <laughs> I should. And how your your husband through all this, like it did, has he since uh, or at any time or since, has he ever confessed to you how worried he was about oh, you? Oh, yeah. I mean, I know he was worried. He told, yes, he makes it very clear to me that he's so proud of me. And he, you know, he, I know he was worried about me, but um, he's really, he's really great to have stuck by me through everything. And I really... You know, I, I can't imagine, like, your wife. I didn't order in with him one time. Like, we never sat on the couch and ordered in together. He ordered in alone. He did all of that alone. Um, so even today, it still feels, like, so good to share stuff because I spent so long not doing it. So when we order a meal together and we share, it, it feels like the first time to me. I love it. Now, I want to move on to talk about the show. Okay. Obviously, this has been such a – your storyline, um, a part of it. But there's also so much going on. Yeah. You haven't been, like, fighting too much with anybody. I mean, you kind of had something with Dolores. Go right. on. Yeah. Um, that was weird. Dolores. <laughs> Interesting. I think Dolores had a bad choice of words. I don't okay. think you were raised yeah. differently. Yeah. Right. I don't think she explained herself. No. I'm still waiting for more of an oh. explanation, maybe at reunion. But <laughs> what do you think <laughs> she meant? Notes. Well, I don't think she meant anti-Semitism. And I'll just address that from the Ooh. get-go because I know a lot of people did bring that up. They wanted to know if she meant that I was raised like because I'm Jewish and the rest of them are Italian. And it did sound like that to a lot of people, but I absolutely 100% don't think that that's I'm what Jewish it was. and Italian, and I don't think that you're anti-Semitic. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's no. Dolores. It's Dolores. Right, right. 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 Well, no. yeah. So that's not what I took from it. Um, I think that my family was very, like, liberal in terms of our values, but also that we had boundaries. So I, I do make 
people call me before they can come over my house, even my mother, my father, and to Teresa, Dolores, Melissa, that is just a, a non-starter. Like your parents mm-hmm. walk in your door whenever they want to. And for me, oh, that's, interesting. that's not okay to me. I need yeah. to, like if, if I have like, if I drop the kids off at school and you know, I'm a, I'm a journalist, um, I write freelance. And like when I have a deadline, if I reserve two hours to write and you walk into my house, you're not getting coffee and a donut. Like I'm kicking you yeah. out, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, not, not, I'm not going to kick out my parents, but um, I, we just, I was raised differently. You know, I was raised, my mom always used to say to me, Jackie, you know, when I was getting into my mid-20s and I didn't have a boyfriend or anything, she would say, Jackie, you know, you don't need a husband to have a baby. Like we were liberal, yeah. you know? And uh, I just think it was a very different way of being raised. Also, my parents worked full time and I was home with a nanny. Um, so, and I think that just a lot of things about my upbringing was Where different. did you grow up? I grew up in Staten Island, in Staten which is not I- yeah. that different. No, you yeah. know, right. not different especially, from New Jersey. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and especially from an Italian, I mean, like I said, my dad is Italian, my mom is Jewish, and like the... The cultures are very similar, especially very. in Staten Island. I mean, like that's where all the Italians are. Everyone was too Italian. <laughs> yeah, in yeah, yeah. I mean, it really can't be that different. It's um. When did you move to New Jersey? Was it only after you got married? No, when I was in high school, I moved okay. my freshman year of high school, like oh. a month into high school, and it was such a different world. So you know, it, it was different. tough. Yeah. It was tough also because I moved to a town that I didn't know anybody. And I was already starting to, like, really creep up in my weight. So I was overweight, moving to a town where I didn't know anybody. And I came in with my brother, who is a year older than me, but got held back. So we were in the same grade, and he's disabled. So I basically came to a new town, overweight, knowing nobody with my disabled brother. And, like, it was a very, very tough few years for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on the show, we're not going to see you confront um, Dolores about this? Um, I think once Dolores and I put it to bed in Jamaica, yeah. we work on building our relationship and getting to know each other. And Dolores and I right now are in a very good place. We're good. So coming up on the show, well, this will be posted, I guess, at that point. So you go to the Hamptons. You you yes. bring the ladies to your Hamptons house. I do. Um, and I, you had said something funny, a little preview Which, of it. Uh, how long have you had this gorgeous, gorgeous Hamptons, Hamptons house? Um, Evan and I bought it in 2012. Okay. Oh, so like a few years. Yeah, like seven years. Seven years. Mm-hmm. So you bring the ladies. I do. And did you bring them because you wanted to show them that like you – you know, you can you can run with the big guys. No, <laughs> not at all. I'm so not a bragger. And like, yeah. I could care less. I couldn't care less who's impressed by my money. I don't think that money is something that you brag about. I find that tacky. Mm-hmm. And, and so I've always spent money, but I just don't show it off. I don't right. like scream about it. So um, I brought them there because I feel like they think of me as a very regimented type A, which I, I am regimented mm-hmm. in type A, but I'm also really fun and lighthearted, and I like to have a good time. And the Hamptons house is my happy place. 
And when you're there, it's hard. Like it's right on the ocean. It's beachfront, and so like when you're there, it's wow. hard to be in a. It's hard to bed. get. Yeah, like, you guys are lucky. <laughs> it's a it's a beautiful it's a beautiful house. So I wanted to bring um, them there can so I they just could. Yeah, Ali and I are available. Yeah, right. <laughs> Come on out. It's empty right now. Um, and it's a and I'm actually a very avid real estate investor. So at first mm. we bought it as an investment property because we heard the rents out in the Hamptons are great. And we ended up falling in love with it so much that we reserve a few weeks a year for our family to go out. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted to bring them out there to show them that side of me, the lighthearted, fun, let's go drink, have fun, you know, sit on the beach kind of part. And how did they react? Because they did think that maybe you were like the... Uh, the poor like, housewife? Yeah, the poor housewife. Right. Right. Yeah. Because you like, you like to do things Surprise. in a way. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> um, that. So I think that they were really shocked that I had a Hamptons house that didn't make sense. Like, how do, how do you have a beachfront Hamptons house and yet you throw your kids' parties in the driveway with pizza and, you, like, you toss people an Amazon box for their parting gift? Um, I think they were really surprised. And I think there, that there were a few more revelations about how much money I actually have, which I didn't think would end for ever end up being something I talked about on the show. Yeah, and I really, I don't put any numbers on anything, but it becomes kind of apparent that I am pretty wealthy. Um, and I think certain and of the ladies- is, this is self-made wealth. No. No? Mm-hmm. Oh. Some of it is self-made. So my, my husband kills it in finance. He does great. Um, I have, my parents made a lot of money growing up. Um, and- What kind of business were they in? So my father's always been in real estate, but my mother started an uber successful computer software company. Wow. How yes. brilliant. Yes. And I and wow. I love to say that um, I love going through her college yearbook. So my mother was born in Israel and came here at 13 years old, didn't speak a word of English, didn't have a penny in her pocket, and ended up graduating valedictorian from her high school and put herself through college. And I love looking through her college yearbook. She went to Brooklyn College because she is the only woman in the economics section of, of the yearbook. I love it. And she she did absolutely phenomenally in, in business. And um, by the time she sold her company, she, she just did really well for herself. And then my parents, who are both very smart, invested all their money. So not all of it, but they invested quite a bit. So um, I had a trust fund set up for me that I said I would never touch. Um, But there were times that money came my way and I took all the money that ever came my way and invested it right Mm -hmm. into real estate. So I have quite a portfolio myself, which I've never talked about and I would never put numbers on or tell anyone anything about. But one of one of the pieces of my investment was that Hamptons house. Mm -hmm. So but Evan and I went in together on that because he has his own money. Um, but we both do well for ourselves. So my investments pay off. Um, he makes a lot of money from his job. So we work, we support ourselves. Of course, yeah. everything we have is from us. But anytime I did get money from the trust fund, I put it towards Yeah, which is really smart and yeah. like a great way to show your kids also yeah. how to, uh, mm-hmm. to spend their money. Yeah, no, it really is. Well, congratulations mm. oh, for, yeah. for doing that. <laughs> Um, and it's, can you give us um, some insight into how Teresa's doing? Because she's been through through so much this year. Um, I actually don't. I, I'm in a pretty good place with Teresa now, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we'll see what happens after reunion. But uh, <laughs> we gotta wait for this reunion, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so, but I don't have regular contact with Teresa. Um, but I think that she is doing okay now that there's some closure. I think it was torturous for her to know that her husband was stuck in in the ICE facility and that her children were just waiting and waiting and waiting. And I think there is some closure now that her children can see their father, can be in Italy with him. Of course, she's still heartbroken that they have to, you know, go to another country to see their dad. But um, I think she's slowly beginning to move on with her life, but I don't, I don't speak to her on it, but I really do hope that she finds happiness and hope that she finds someone that makes her happy. Yeah. Well, we are so happy that you came in to join us today. And thank you for being so honest yeah, about your, your yes, oh, your eating you. disorder thank and you your recovery. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it's, it's encouraging for other women who may be feeling that way because so many women are obsessed with eating. Yeah. And, and I would just say before you like judge someone, I mean, I'm sure there's people who are going to listen to this and be like, that's so ridiculous that she can't eat breakfast. And it's not breakfast itself. It's just, you know, issues with food are really lifelong for some people. Mm-hmm. And and I think that it's just something that you continue working on. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you. An come honor to back meet you both. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. And come back and see us again. Anytime. Would, anytime. Yes. And make sure to tune in to Real Housewives of New Jersey, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on Bravo. Of course. <laughs> Thanks. Yes, we'll tune in. Bye. Bye.